Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Hello, podcast land! Welcome to Season 2, Episode 41. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. And I'm joined tonight in the studio by Zoltan, the talking parakeet podcast bird, and also everybody's favorite acoustic alchemist, Tim Cheesebrow. Thanks. I, uh, it's good to it's good to know that I that I come in after the bird and cast it. Well, it was saved the best for last. It's like it's like the opening act. It's like the poodle act that opens for the Beatles. You know? No, I'm cool with it. I mean, Zoltan's yeah. pretty great. So. Well, you know, he can he can mumble and stuff. So we'll see if he talks. I got him a little closer to the microphone tonight. He was chatty earlier, and uh, he's kind of chill. So we'll see what happens. He's getting a little more comfortable in here. And the uh, micro dog and giant dog are eating cookies in their natural habitat. So the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you know what you you had an extended vacation with with the misses and you had some time away from the children and then you've had some time with the children with the misses. How you been? You've been busy too. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of a lot of development work, especially with new products coming out and coming up with a bunch of new ideas on on stuff that I think is really going to make a difference for some people in their their personal practice. But I did get away. We we had a 15 year anniversary planned and it was our first vacation away from the kids together um since our honeymoon actually so it was was kind of a we were really looking forward to it and then we both got covid oh man you know (laughs) you're not allowed to do that i told you that a long time ago you're not allowed to get sick so well you know you get kids in school, they bring home all sorts of crap and Yeah, they're little little petri dishes, that's for sure. And we didn't we didn't know about it till we got there, so we spent most of the trip in separate rooms. Well, like yeah, you yeah. and I talked about on the phone, sometimes maybe that initial getting hit with a ton of bricks and having some time without the kids mom and dadding you to death is, is a good thing. So Yeah, actually I got a lot of reading done, which is pretty cool. I started started a project I've wanted to start for a long time, which is, you know, I've, I've read a lot of these older texts, these uh, grimoires and these older mystic, you know, mystical, mysticism type books. But now that I have gone kind of around the horn a little bit and learned a little bit of the Hebrew and a little bit more about the history of the time in which these documents were created, doing some like secular research. I circled back to reread all of these old things with fresh eyes, and it was pretty cool to see how many new things popped out, and I'm just kind of understanding these documents on a whole new level, and I'm sure that next year and the year after, I'll reread them, and I'll I'll get something else out of them, you know? You know what? That is really cool, and I've mentioned that in the podcast in the past. Even with our regular old magic books that we buy if there's really good advice in the beginning on how to do stuff or it has some theory in it or some exercises, if I go back and read my regular new books and take out something new from it each time I do that. But that is absolutely excellent. And you and I have discussed a little bit of that. And while you've been kind of digging into these old grimoires and this kind of more ceremonial type stuff, 
I've been digging into chaos. So <laughs> we still have our opposite ends of the spectrum going while we're doing the same thing at the same time. So it's kind of crazy when that happens. Well, that's that's kind of how we work and why it works, I think, because then we come back and, you know, can talk about how it works for each of us. And we can come up with approaches that make the most sense, like instead of just going by the rules or just avoiding the rules entirely, there's a middle ground to be found, right? Oh, definitely. One thing I decided to work on, and I sometimes I take a while to just look through books and decide what I want to do. Back when we did the Oracle Card Challenge and the Shadow Work Challenge in mm-hmm. August, I mentioned, you know, grab out your tarot cards, grab out some books, try new different spread books and stuff. And I, I reviewed a couple of books. So I've been narrowing down what I want to play with. And there's a 35th anniversary tarot for yourself book I'm going to explore. And it's a workbook style work through book, not only teaches you traditional meanings, but intuitive meanings. So you can intuit card readings for yourself. And then one of the mega tarot spread books, I think it was the 365 spread book, had incredible insights. I'm going to probably start up a side challenge. Maybe I'll bring that up next week. But I decided to start my own challenge. So I'm going to bring some listeners in. But it also brings into Ouija October 2022 with the channeling challenge. And sometimes those divination tools work as really good training wheels to get you where you want to go if you want to communicate with your spirits and your guides that you work with. So we're here to be another set of training wheels for those that are interested in this. And I would even say, I I would take it just a little further and say, it's totally okay to come up with your own divination system too, because what I'm finding, and and I think in the, in the past month, I've, uh, I've created three separate divination systems just to see how they would perform. Yes. You've sent me pictures and they look amazing. Well, the cool thing is that they all work equally well. And what I'm finding is that divination systems work because they make sense with your brain. I think that that's really the key. So it's not like it's not like there's something inherent in tarot that like connects with everybody equally or oracles or runes or whatever. You got to just find the thing that really clicks with the way that you think. So you can interpret these things intuitively without having to refer to a book all the time. Yep. And you and I both have been working with charm casting or charmancy. And what I've found is even when I have a good selection of charms and each one has a specific meaning to me, I can cast those charms and depending on how they work with other charms and how they land, it may have a totally different meaning depending on how they all rearrange themselves. So I've found that even from one reading to a next, I get different meanings from the same items, the same charms, the same little trinkets and stuff in my kit. And that's really helped me open up insight as well as imagination and a little bit more on the intuition too. So there's a lot of good to come from this. It really opens up areas of your psyche that are very important and necessary for magical workings. And if you want to read about how to kind of construct some of these systems for yourself, I would strongly encourage reading the the muggle works of Carl Jung. Not all of them, he's got way too many, but Find some of Carl Jung's works that deal specifically with archetypes, because if you create your system based on universal subconscious archetypes, you're going to tap into that current that divination, you know, classical divination systems have been using forever. It's this language of symbols and thoughts and feelings that kind of lives in that subconscious part of us. And the reason why these different divination systems work is because in order for those ideas to bubble to the surface, it's got to use a language that your brain speaks. Yep. So so learn about Jungian archetypes, use symbols that mean something to you, and try making up your own thing. Yeah, sometimes conventional systems don't really resonate with everyone. And that's why I started really putting a focus on like oracle cards. People really freak out on the aspect of trying to learn tarot. It's an intimidating system. But something like oracle cards, you can just shuffle them, ask your question and draw one. And then the answer's right there. There's nothing to worry about, memorize, interpret, anything like that. Very easy, extraordinarily accurate. I could not believe how well the oracle systems work. I went into it kind of, eh, you know, not my thing, never has been. And I I came out a huge fan of them. So another good option for people that just don't want to interpret, but you want something at your fingertips. Right. And we've talked about before how talking boards are just not my thing. 
but there are other forms that work with my brain a little better. And like those are, I find that they're quick, they're accurate. And, and there are other people that have trouble with those systems yep. that can't connect to them, but they are great at something else that I'm bad at. So like and, we, kind of got these, we all kind of got these strengths and weaknesses and, and that's okay. You don't need to be good at everything. And that's why, you know, I keep going back to why I started this podcast. We all have different goals. We all have different histories. We all have different perceptions and you got to find your path. And I'm just here to offer suggestions and ideas, and maybe it'll spark something for people so they can go find their own path. I'm just here to provide inspiration more than anything. And oh, shout outs. I guess it's time to do shout outs. We had, well, I got to do the nasty grams last week, but they turned out pretty awesome because we ended, we're still getting new countries tuning in and new cities. And we got a little bit of love from a listener this week. And I am excited to share that. This person kindly wrote uh, about our podcast that this is a must listen. What a great show that explores various aspects of the modern occult world. Host Shasta Ray creates a welcoming and open environment to discuss a wide spectrum of spirituality and practice, both modern and historical. Her warm, supportive, and kind demeanor is a welcome respite from shows that take themselves so seriously that the audience feels spoken down to. Keep up the great work. Yay! Thank you. That was from an anonymous listener. They didn't post their name or anything about themselves. So whoever that was, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I I mean, mean, that's that's like spot on what we're trying to do. And I'm so glad that that it's accomplishing that. Yeah. And, you know, here again, everyone's magical path and spiritual path is different. It's very, very unique to everybody and it's very personal. So if, if I can convey that, that there's no one answer and it goes back to like, When we started doing research, we start finding multiple definitions for the same thing. We try to be conscious of that. And I had that kind of reminded to me again today. I I exchanged some emails with Miss Aida, and we're going to have an upcoming spot with her. I'm really excited about. And I had mentioned it is the channeling challenge. She comes from a much different background than the magic we practice and has much different experiences. And she takes this incredibly serious. And she's like, you know, I don't think this should be for newbies at all. There should be protections in place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, nomenclature. She comes from like a background of Santeria and hoodoo. And they deal with different forces and stuff and a lot of different things in the forefronts of their practice in their mind when they practice. So I wanted to just be clear that when Tim and I are talking about channeling. We're only endorsing channeling positive, higher beings that are going to help you. And you're probably already working with anyway, as well as the ones that are very easy to tap into and incredibly safe to tap into. And always keep your protections in mind also if you're going to do this. And last but not least, venture forth with channeling at your own risk, but be smart about it. Do your homework. And we're going to, here again, provide some safe options because we know we hear out there, everyone wants to learn how to hear the spirits they're talking to. We want to hear their answers. You know, we want to get clarity. We want to have that companionship. And a lot of them are really awesome angels. So who doesn't want to talk to angels? And that is a great way to get going because angels are safe. Like they're not going to hurt you. They have no desire to. They're their job is to to help us along and to help us figure stuff out and to to help us be the divine beings that we are. And they're totally safe to contact. A lot of the beings that people are currently labeling as demons, those also fall under the category of angelic or celestial spirits, higher beings. Yep, um, the uh, 72 quote-unquote demons of the Goetia. They're they're spirits of the Goetia, and they are directly tied to the Shem angels, which are directly tied to the 72 names of God. All of those are interwoven, so there's really no evil there. Yeah. They, they kind of get a bad rap. They get a scary rap, but they're the most helpful spirits I've found that's the easiest for me to contact. Yeah. For those who don't know, when we say we're talking about Shem angels and Goetia, Goetia is kind of a term for the lesser key of solomon if anybody wants to go check those out those books are like i think the best translations out there right now are by mathers and crowley and then 
the Shem angels, that, that's uh, short for the Shem Mephresh, which is Hebrew for the hidden name or the occulted name. And that is a 72-letter name of God. In those 72-letter names, uh, in that 72-letter name, there are 72 angels that correspond to each one of those letters. And like you said, there's that Goetia spirit that also is tied to that letter of that name of God. And they work really, really well with their associated angel. They're like, they're like a pair. It's not, it's not like one constrains the other, which is what a lot of Solomonic tradition would have you believe. You got to bind these spirits. They complement each other, actually. Yes. So if you, if you try and do it, if you try and do like this straight up spirit binding, like they have in those old grimoires, the Shem angel's going to be there. Like, um, yep, I'm, I'm binding him really, really tight. You're, you're safe. You, you go, bucko. And then you'll kind of mm. hear them laugh amongst themselves because it's ridiculous to them. But it makes us feel better. And sometimes I think our psyche needs that scary element of danger for us to venture forth to it. It makes us feel like badasses or something. I don't know. But it gets a lot of us there for some reason. And I think part of it is part of the reason it works. We gravitate to it thinking it's a dark force when actually they're just angels. They kind of work a little different. I think they're a little bit closer to our psyche somehow, and that's why they're so easy to tap into. But I've found them to be nothing but helpful. Yeah, they're awesome. And you know, if you're if you want to go looking for danger, the spirits out there that are probably going to give you the most problem are spirits that were human, you know, human dead. Because let's face it, there are a lot of people that are messed up and are just dicks. And you know what? When they go to the afterlife, they're no less of a dick. Well, and if you die in a state of negativity, you don't know what kind of funk passes on. But I've heard a lot of that is, yeah, the, the if you're tapping into spirits of humans and you just don't know what you're doing, that's one thing I shy away from. I don't really deal with a lot of dead people. I just don't. I mean, some people do. Some people like using their Ouija boards for that. Three books that I would recommend if you're interested in that with safeties are all three of Karen A. Dahlman's books. She's been working with the Ouija board for 50 years. She's considered a world authority on it. And I've learned from her. I've never had fear. That's another thing. Any kind of channeling, whether you're going to go into uh, using tarot or runes or a Ouija board or pendulum for that matter or anything, if you go into something with fear, you're going to invite that in. So don't try anything if you're scared and you're worried and you're fixated on everything that could go wrong and all the negatives that you could experience. You're basically waving a red flag going, yo, hey, here, over here, and this is what I expect. And it'll get delivered in a lot of cases. So read about yeah. it in that case. You know, get yourself a good book. Don't try it. Satisfy your curiosity. And then when you're ready study a little more, find a safe option. But we feel like safe options are going to be your angels, your names of God. One additional thing I want to say about this idea that fear attracts fear, well, that is actually one of the, I guess, substrates of most magical traditions. You'll hear it personified in the hermetic and the ceremonial sides when people say, you know, what is above is like what is below, which comes from the the Emerald Tablet of Hermes Trimagestus. And the idea that what is above is like what is below, the macrocosm and the microcosm are the same, that, that, that's speaking on many different levels. And one of those levels is that like attracts like, which is why we have so many correspondences and so many planetary days and hours and all of these specific blah 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 blahs It's because they're trying to compile as many like things as they can to attract the thing they want. So that principle works in reverse. If you go into it angry, you go into it desperate, you go into it fearful, you are going to attract angry, desperate, fearful things. And that's going to ruin your experience. So go into it with a happy heart, go into it with a curious heart. And that may actually be one of your best weapons uh, or one of your best defenses. Yeah, I agree with that. I mentioned this last year on Ouija October. If um, well, when I when I started playing with Ouija board, I was in my late teens, 
and I was always just fascinated with it. And I was never influenced by movies. I didn't know any of the horror stories or the horror movies or anything. So I didn't get any of those images. So I just went into it with a natural curiosity and a positivity. And I expected to talk with something on the other side. I never thought in terms of anything negative coming through or even allowing it. And I tend to practice my magic that way too. I just don't allow anything negative to come through. I do a lot of different protective measures in my day-to-day life, in my magical practice. It's automatic for me. But Balk had Moan last year mentioned, before you do anything like this, one of the best protections he knows of is Psalm 91. Just recite Psalm 91. I take it one step further, and you can also add verse 1 of Psalm 92, also a great protective measure in just a few words. And any working or anything that you're going to do, or anytime you have a moment of doubt, you're afraid for any reason, you can recite Psalm 91 and get tremendous protection in the moment. Absolutely. The other protection that I have found to be pretty much ubiquitous across all of these classical grimoires. The formula for how these grimoires are constructed seems to be pretty formulaic. It seems that, you know, there's a bunch of practical spells and stuff at the end that that can achieve desired effects. But the majority of the books seem to be dedicated to preparation for the working and really kind of instructing the would-be magician on what kind of person to be, that you have to be in a certain frame of mind, in a certain state of soul to really do this stuff well. And even in the even in the grimoires that are quote unquote black magic, those black magic grimoires seem to be really, really focused on purity and focused on making sure that the magician is in a right place with the divine and that they have no stain or blemish on their character. They talk about how uh, living an upright life. Um, they never use the word sin, really, but they talk about living with uprightness such that no ill word could be spoken against you. And if you live in this way, you are fit to be a magician. What I'm taking from that is that the best protection out there may be just being a good person. Yeah, your own upright behavior, your own honesty, your own truth, and being you know true to yourself is the first place to start with all that. And then, and then like will attract like, you know, you, if you are that way in your life, you are going to attract beings. You are going to more easily communicate with beings that are like that. And those are the beings you want to talk to, right? You don't don't want to talk to Uncle Joe, the alcoholic, like he's not going to give you great advice, even if he is dead. If you want great advice, go to an angel, go to somebody who knows something. Yeah. That's another thing. A lot of people think that they're going to get on a Ouija board and talk to spirit of a human being and get profound advice. They don't know. They're like us. (laughs) They're just a dead person. Talk to a a divine being. Talk to an angel. Go back to Ouija October 2021 and listen to Karen A. Dahlman's spot. One thing she always says before a session without fail is that she only invites in those who have her best interest at heart. So she puts parameters on her sessions before her sessions start. And she has her own little way of starting, her own little ritual cleansing or whatever she calls it to um, kind of prepare herself. But she puts that rule out. If if you're going to talk to me, you better be on the up and up. You better have my best interest at heart and you better be of the divine. And she always has great sessions. Yeah, it's so simple. And it's so easy to do. I mean, just follow or lead on that one. That's that's just good advice. And then, you know, just because I respect Miss Aida a lot and because I know she comes from traditions that I don't come from and I've never studied, this stuff is out there. There is some scary stuff out there. And I want to go back to what I said. I've seen it in the demonology groups and stuff. People get angry at something. They want to retaliate on someone or they think they're a badass you want to be you know that tough guy or that tough girl or whatever you want to impress people and you're going to try tapping into the most whatever thing whatever out there um just don't 
there's no glory in that. There's no reason in that. And that thing that you tap into that's such a badass is not going to be impressed by you. You're in danger with stuff like that. Stay away from the badass stuff that you you don't have any business tapping into, especially if you're a newbie, you're not experienced. Stay smart about this stuff. And, you know, I've really only talked to angels and divine beings with my Ouija board the whole past year that I've been working with it. And it's a great time. They will use the filters of your mind to communicate with you and make you be able to understand the messages they're trying to pass to you. And that goes with your thoughts, too. Right. And and I think, too, that and maybe Miss Aida is going to correct me on this when she comes on. But I have the impression that in her tradition or in traditions like her tradition, the word channeling is a lot more like what we would call invocation, where you're inviting the spirit into your body. Very true. Uh, nomenclature. This goes back to that whole nomenclature thing we found with when we were studying the egregors and the tulpas. I mean, traditions have different definitions for the same word. Right. And asking a spirit to speak through you, like how we're talking about, where you might be doing you might be doing automatic writing, or you might be doing Ouija, or you might be doing some other divination system, or you might just be, you know, honestly, what works best for me is just to sit and listen and be really quiet and then write down messages as I get them. If you're doing that, that's a totally different thing than inviting a spirit to possess you. Yes. That's where you've got to be. I would just say, don't even mess with it unless you absolutely have to. And in that case, you better know what you're doing. And Miss Aida was, was, she also mentioned to me today in that email that, you know, if you're going to be doing advanced stuff, this goes beyond reading a book. The occult books that we tap into and that I present here are safe books. They have, the, they have a basis in Hebrew magic and 72 angels, 72 names of God, all of these ancient grimoires that are very popular. People have used over and over and over, and it's been tested and tried and true. So we're not we're not presenting anything here that's weird or tapping into unknown spirits, anything like that. So if you're going to start learning really advanced magical techniques, get a real magic mentor that has experience. Miss Aida has 66 years lifetime experience. Her mother had a lifetime of experience. Find somebody that's real, not just somebody you met off Facebook and they started reading Gallery of Magic books also, get yourself a real lifelong practitioner that has history and roots in the tradition you want to learn. And do your research and make sure that they are who they claim to be. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> and another, uh, I'm going to say, I, I don't do this one, but I know a lot of people, it's very, very popular. What is that popular protection <laughs> ritual, the banishing? Lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram or LBRP. Yeah. Um, and what what a lot of folks don't understand is that there's there's a, a couple of rituals that are in that vein. So there's the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. There's the lesser invoking ritual of the pentagram. There is the greater invoking ritual of the hexagram and the greater banishing ritual of the hexagram. All four of them are meant for different things. So the idea of the LBRP is that it will banish from you any of the kind of mundane influences that may be affecting your life from, you know, planetary or magical sources. It kind of cuts those ties. It gets them out of your, I don't know, energy system. Maybe the hexagram rituals deal more with cleansing your soul and the difference between invoking and banishing. So when you're banishing something, you're just trying to, you're trying to get, you're trying to purge, get the muck out. And then when you invoke, you're kind of invoking the clean version of that energy. And you're trying to draw that into yourself as a source of strength, whatever it is you're trying to do. So a lot of people do the banishing ritual and then forget to do the invoking ritual afterwards. There's a, actually a two-step process. There. That makes sense because um, you want to re replace the bad with the good. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that, um, and it's actually, um, it's not a really heavy-duty magical ritual. It was uh, in Golden Dawn books that I have read. It seems more like a footnote than anything. It's like something that initiates have to learn, but it's kind of like Hermetics 101. And and it's more of a maintenance thing than a strong protection thing. 
it's more like greasing your spiritual gears, making sure that everything, you know, get getting the gunk out. So do you feel that when it comes to channeling and dealing with spirits or, you know, this time of year, you're going to play with your tarot cards, you're going to play with your Ouija board, whatever person's going to do. Would that come in handy? Do you feel as a good, valid protection? Like, how would you use it? Because it's a very popular protection thing. And like you said, a lot of people just don't understand it. They go through the motions, but they don't understand it. Right. I guess the way that I would use it, at, think of it more as prevention than cure. The LBRP is not going to undo a curse. Uh, none of them are. That's, they're, they're, just, they're not that strong of a ritual. But if you think about it as kind of preventative medicine, like taking your vitamins, then what it does is it puts you, you know, if you were to do all four of these rituals before you did anything serious, it gets your mind in that right place. It gets it to that grounded, quiet state where you are reverent to what you're doing. You're taking it seriously. It puts you, it puts your mind and your body and your spirit in a really good place to do work. So I would say that's a smash bang way to just kind of start anything. And it, once you get the formula down, it doesn't take that long. I mean, we're talking like five minutes for each of them. So you're talking, you know, 15, maybe 20 minutes in total for all four. And it's really, you know, a meditative thing that kind of gets in the red, red headspace. And then also kind of, I'm going to backtrack just a sec in talking about how you had said, you know, avoiding the cursing and avoiding the using those really nasty spirits to hurt people. Yeah. Um, one of the things you find in these old grimoires is a really big push towards purification. And some of the purification rites are super intense. We're like talking like 40 day fast of not just food, but also alcohol and any kind of intimate relations. And I mean, really tax, I mean, taxing stuff if you're trying to live a normal life, really, far as I can tell. I mean, there is a ritual purification component to it, but there's a psychological purification component to it as well, where it basically forces you to take a break before you take action. It gives you a cool off period. Somebody wrongs you, you have to take 40 days to purify yourself for this ritual to make sure you really want to do it. Most of the time, after 40 days of waiting, the things that you think are a big deal are not such a big deal anymore. And you know what? You know, I've told people that over and over and over. If you're thinking about doing a nasty to somebody, give yourself, I always say 33 days. My number is 33, but give yourself 33 days. If it is actually warranted and they've done something to you that is impacting your life enough that warrants justice being served, 33 days, you're going to be just as angry, just as riled up, just as hurt, and just as passionate. 99% of the time, you're not even going to remember what you're mad about in 33 days. So yeah, that that absolutely holds true. I, I believe that totally. So I think, I think there's a beneficial thing to doing the purification ritual in a ceremonial way because it does force you to take those pauses and it forces you to really think your actions through and to plan everything really accordingly. It's just good advice. Now, that and goes it, back to what we were saying about your best defense is being a good person who, who no one can say a bad word about. Well, a good person's not going to curse someone that doesn't deserve it. A good person is going to seek justice for those who deserve it. So it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. This gives you time to make sure that you're making the right decision. Yeah, and if you're out there, you're full of anger, you're full of hurt, you're full of fear, you're full of jealousy, you're full of whatever it is that's making you go to that place that you're thinking about doing baneful stuff, think about what you're inviting in. Think about the forces you're inviting in and the attitudes and the negativity you're inviting in. And then think about the types of spirits that would be attached to those things. That's where your your weird shit's going to come into your life. So, you know, if you're going to be doing any kind of divination, that's what Karen Dahlman said last year also. Check your day at the door. Check your emotions at the door. Check your bad day at the door. Make sure that funk is off of you. And make sure that your head is in a really good headspace before you sit down with your divination tools. Common sense. Here again. and. If you go into it in a state of fear and a state of dread, you're going to attract that like a moth to a flame in a lot of ways. So, you know, and then don't don't do also, you know, another thing that people do that always perplexes me to no end. Even if you get a happy spirit that just wants to have a conversation with you, 
your great aunt Fanny sitting there. She's waiting to catch up with you. If you ask for something like, give me a sign that you're there, and then you hear a knock on a wall or something falls over or something, why are you getting freaked out? Why are you asking them to do something to freak you out and then getting freaked out making a big deal about it? (laughs) Just don't go there in the first place. And if you're going to go there in the first place, you probably shouldn't be doing that session at all if your head's there. So, you know, here again, common sense, use safeties, venture at your own risk, do your homework. And uh, Psalm 91 is a good solid protection in the moment from creepy crawlies, as well as I have my Psalm list here. And uh, Psalm 10 is another one to remove evil or restless spirits. You could use that in a session if you think you're picking up some weird energy. But it goes back to what I said. Use your your magic books with spirits that have known sigils. It's a known spirit. You know what it is. You've worked with it before. They're easy to channel. They're easy to talk to. I've never encountered a spirit that I thought was just malevolent beyond repair. I was also going to say anyone out there. Now, this goes back to tomato, tomato potato, potato, call it what you will. It's all the same thing at the end of the day. Call it an attunement, an initiation. I call it a tether. People call it a spirit connection. If you've got a connection to a spirit that you've either set up yourself or you've purchased from another magician, you've already got a connection to a spirit of choice that hopefully you're working with. See if that one can help you with your listening skills when it comes to hearing them. Um, You've already got the connection in place. Another very easy way to tap into this skill. And this actually gets to a point I I really wanted to talk about, which was when you are communing with these spirits, here's something to keep in mind. We tend to, as humans, we like to put everything in categories that we can name and label and put in some sort of taxonomy and I don't know why we love making lists so much but we do and what it does though is it creates this illusion of otherness as though these beings you're talking to are something other than yourself they aren't the way that I've heard it explained not just by one angel but by many 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 angels is that think about you and all of the spirits and everything it's like an upside down mountain crystal right the crystal the crystal mountain is god everything belongs to the divine everything is the divine everything is an aspect of it however crystals have multiple facets and the larger more prominent facets are closer to the time of creation these are your angels these are your higher spirits but as you go down the mountain gets bigger the facets get smaller but all of those facets are still individuals And they are all still part of the whole. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing these spirit channelings, try and recognize your own divinity in that you're really talking to a different aspect of yourself, or rather you're talking to an aspect of the divine that is using divine energy to perform a specific function at that time. So an example would be, while I'm alive, all of the energy that I take in from the sun via plant and animal matter i convert into chemical energy and while that energy is in me it is performing the tim function but i don't get to keep that energy i'm just a steward of it for a while eventually that energy goes on to be something else and it performs a different function it's the soil function the tree function when you're talking to a spirit you're talking to the energy that is performing the audio function for now but it's not as if that energy is not part of everything else it's all this one universal energy another analogy might be to think about it as a sea everything is water right but Mm -hmm. the beings you're talking about exist as waves now waves pop out of the surface of the water they are a unique distinct being for a time and then they're reabsorbed back into the body of the ocean that's us right we borrow energy for a time and the ocean is filled with so many waves you can't possibly count them all. Yeah, and they're always changing. Another way I like to think of it is angels are basically like fingers of God. You have this massive God energy, whatever your perception that is, 
creation, whatever. But then you've got these extensions of it with consciousness that that do its work and represent every aspect of everything imaginable. And it's all connected. And then they have, like you said, the facets, they kind of get smaller. They have lesser angels that they're in charge of and that they work with. And it just, it's infinite in a lot of ways, but it's all a part of the big divine system. And we are little sparks of the divine chips off. And then we wear a meat suit for a while and then we go back to the divine. So we're part of that system. We have every right to communicate with that system. And it's, it's as easy as asking because you're already connected. So when we talk about doing attunements or tethers, what you're doing is consciously setting up a connection with another facet or another wave or another aspect of the divine. That connection already exists. All you're doing is defining it and you're asserting it for yourself, which anyone can do. And I still have a hard time understanding how one would broker that on behalf of another person. I don't know. I, I mentioned that last well, week. It's a secondhand connection. Might as well do it yourself. <laughs> you've already got the books. You've probably already got the connection anyway. If you like that spirit, you're drawn to it. You've worked with it before. The spirit, the connections there just strengthen it. Everyone can do this. It's just a matter of your confidence levels. And then let's touch on one other thing that you brought up while you were doing a lot of this research into these old grimoires. You brought up something really interesting. And I wanted to bring up this for the channeling challenge because it's another form of channeling and it's just channeling energies. And the popular one is Reiki. A really good way to play with Reiki is just go on udemy.com. You can always find a little $12.99, $13.99 Reiki class. You'll learn a little bit of it. You'll get the knowledge you need to be able to identify those energy feelings and you can play with it really really inexpensive it'll suit your needs but it's a great way to get your feet wet and start feeling what it's like to move actual just generic energy without a spirit attached to it anyone can do it and there are so many different variations of it i would just like to warn everyone if you take a class like that an udemy.com or a, a video course or something you are not a, a Reiki master. I don't care what kind of <laughs> fake certificate they give you. You have the knowledge and ability to play with it for yourself, play with it with your friends, your family, your pets, whatever, but do not market yourself as an expert. If you're going to do that, go back to like what we were saying with Miss Aida and her magic advice. Get a real mentor, not someone off the internet, someone real in your community that you can go to and learn from that you know is the real deal. And then you know that they're putting in their time, they're they're actually working for you and with you, not just someone that's sending you some emails and stuff. And this is not to say, don't try and become a professional, because, I mean, the world needs people to be doing this work very much right now. Just don't, just don't take a class online for $12 and then try to open your own office up and call yourself a Reiki master. It's just, you'd be misrepresenting yourself. You wouldn't be fully learned master. It's really saving people from themselves because if that's the case, they're not going to succeed anyways. Yeah. I mean, be honest about what you're able to do and how you're able to help other people. And, and honestly, the best way to do that is to help people out for free first. Yep. Um, and you're practicing. You're really good at it. Um, but the, the class that I took, I found one that had, it was being taught by a real Reiki master that taught real students. And I did some research on the guy. And I think I got the class for $12.99. Great class. Learned some new stuff about movement of energy. It was yep. awesome. And I play with it for my own needs and my own pets and everything. But it's another good way for people to start learning a different aspect of moving energy and doing for themselves. And then you learned something about in those ancient, ancient grimoires that you told me about. It was either in the Sefer HaRazim or oh, actually, I, think, I think it was the Sefer HaRazim, which in Hebrew, Sefer just means book. And so there's a lot of ancient Jewish mystical texts that are like the book of the mystery the book of light, the book of creation. And these are all foundational texts for Kabbalah and for Hermetic magic. 
And this particular text was talking about universal energy and was kind of talking about how we're all a part of it and how we all are able to utilize it and about how making a connection to it was kind of the responsibility of the practitioner. Wow. Yeah. That was interesting when you told me that. It was like, hey, you got to do it for yourself. That's part of the shtick. That's part of being here on earth. That's part of the stuff you're here to learn. Well, I think the idea was just recognizing that all of creation stems from the same source and the same energy and therefore can be manipulated in the same way. So if you really understand how to how to move the energy about in your own self, you can then learn how to do it in another person or in a tree or in a star or it doesn't matter. Kind of uh, dimension level doesn't matter because it's the thing is it's uh, you're, you're learning how to tap into a universal thing almost like language you know you right once you learn you're in the in club and you know there's there's different websites out there and it's even on etsy and everything reiki attunements for this or that and you can get the attunement for this concept and that concept and ocean water (laughs) the left side of a tree (laughs) i don't know i mean there's like a reiki attunement for anything you can imagine So if this is something that you play with, take a cheap class, learn some basics, and play with some universal energy. Find some of this old information, study up on it, and learn how to do your own attune. People are out there basically just attuning to objects or concepts and then passing it along as secondhand information again. So here again, Everyone's got this ability. It's just a matter of learning it. I'm not going to proclaim to say I know how. It's something I've just played with a little bit to see what it was about. It's not really where my interests lie, but I like it. It was fun to play with. It was interesting. And I don't see why anyone would need to just spend a ton of money on such things. You can attune to different spirits. You can attune to different concepts, area of life. Use Reiki for this kind of stuff. Play with it. The sky's the limit, but do your own. Learn from a master if you're going to take it to a higher level. Why not? Well, I'll even go so far as to say that I've done that Udemy, not probably not the same Udemy class you did, but I I did one too, and I got my Reiki master level one and two certificates and, and all that jazz. And I've worked on it for myself and for other people. But I think what it did was it mostly opened me up to the fact that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd also say... Honestly, working with you on this podcast has also helped me realize how much I can do for myself. And and honestly, the biggest breakthrough in being able to utilize these techniques or any technique really was the moment when I decided that I could. Right. And so I'm I'm just throwing it out there that like you can believe that you can because you can. And everyone out there that we put on pedestals and that we think are these great experts and stuff, they were where you were. And a lot of times, not that long ago, and a lot of times they were reading the same books you're reading. (laughs) That's a secret. (laughs) So you can, you can do it. It's just a matter. Do you want to do it? It And it ain't bad to ask for help, but, but don't become dependent on anybody except for yourself. Everything that you need is within you that was one of the secrets in one of these old books was that in order for man to ascend humans to ascend they needed to learn that everything that they need for survival for gratification it all had to come from within and they you know relying on justification from without is just kind of it's not what we're striving for So the more that you learn to rely on yourself and the more that you learn to trust yourself, the more in line you're going to be with the divine's plan for you. Yeah. And we're in a microwave world, a McDonald's world, a Walmart world where everything's instant. You can get anything you want. And if you can't get it in the moment, you can pretty much get it delivered tomorrow by Amazon.com. You know, I mean, we get what we want now and we get used to that and we start applying that to our magic. And then if we don't get a result right now, we throw a fit. We wonder why our magic failed us. If we don't have our abilities or the talents that we want right now, we wonder why. Oh, that sucks. I can't do it. 
we forget that it's a journey. So every aspect of your spiritual path, your magic path, your divination path, everything is a journey. And you're going to get more gratification and more out of it if you let it be an ongoing journey that you really want to pursue and continue to learn. You will never be an expert. Nobody is ever an expert. We always are going to have more to learn on everything. So let it be a passion. And pretty soon you're going to realize those talents are there. But if you're expecting it to be there the first time you pick up a deck of tarot cards, the first time you try a Ouija board, the first time you try this, the first time you try that, practice makes perfect. You have to exercise the skill in order to obtain the skill. Absolutely. I mean, I would even... I'll even uh, I'll share with you a, a very short little channeling that I had recently about I was asking kind of about hey what's my purpose here what's all of our purpose here and and they said you know you are here to seek you are here to seek and and to possibly find some things and I said hey well if I you know am I gonna be able to finish the game and find all the things and move on quickly. And they just said, ha ha, no. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who do you mind me asking? Were you channeling your guides or a particular spirit angel? I want to say this was Metatron or Sandalphon, one of the two. Okay. But yeah, I was kind of just asking about, you know, how how does this life thing work? And it was, yeah, you're you're supposed to seek. Well, all right. We were going to find the end of the road. (laughs) Ha ha, no. That's another good one I was going to mention is for those of you that are really into the archangels, they are also very easy to tap into. Archangels of Magic is another good book for tapping into that level of angels. And they're very responsive too. They're very caring, wonderful, loving beings, and they're very amazing energy to tap into and get messages from. Another non-scary, very, very, very safe angel spirit that you can tap into is get magical destiny by damon brand and learn how to channel messages from your personal holy guardian angel it doesn't get any more safe and any more easy than that they are there for you they are your personal concierge in this life of course they want you to hear their voice they're going to work with you on it specifically and be prepared that your your hga may not be some, you know, some lofty, heavenly, super wise sounding person. I mean, well, as it was explained, and it's no longer on the podcast, because he who shall not be named had an episode where he discussed that with Mrs. He who shall not be named. And they got a message directly that said, you know, your your holy guardian angel, basically, when you come into this earthly life, or when your soul is created, a little tiny chip of the divine breaks off to travel with you. And even if you have many incarnations here on earth, that is your spark of the divine to guide you. So it's yours, you know? Yeah. And my, my, I'll tell you, my HGA is snarky and loudmouthed and goofy and. Yeah, they sync up with your psyche. You're going to understand them more than anything. It is the easiest thing to understand there is. Yeah, she has such an awesome sense of humor, and we laugh about stuff all the time. That's not what I was expecting to find, though. You want to hear something really trippy about your holy guardian angel? Karen Dahlman said this when she was on last December, and then I discovered it, is it's kind of like the never-ending story where... The little kid had to name the princess that was residing in the other realm or whatever, and he had to think up her name. When it comes to your holy guardian angel, you get to figure out what its name is. It needs to resonate with your psyche, and they're not created with names. That's for our convenience. So the name that you call it by needs to work for you. You get to name your own guardian angel. Which is why for so many years I tried to figure I was like, just tell me your name, damn it. It's yeah, like, and they'll laugh at you and they'll be like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> what they meant by you'll figure it out is not you'll find it. What they meant was you'll figure out what it is and you'll tell me what it is. Yep, exactly. Because and it, it, I think it's... For me, I don't need a name for me. 
I think it's one of those silly little things that the other side laughs at us about. <laughs> it goes back to us. We love to categorize things and put labels on them and put them in taxonomies. We just, it's a human thing. We love, we love taking things and giving them names. Uh, I, I wish I could remember word for word what this friend of mine said years ago when I was in the American Tarantula Society. I was their public relations officer for a number of years. There was a oh, pretty bird. Are you saying pretty bird? He's finally talking. There was a hobbyist. His name was Darren. I guess his name still is Darren. And he said, you know, when he got into the spider hobby, he was learning all of the scientific names and the proper spellings and the proper pronunciations and the whole taxonomy of every spider down to the, you know, whole string of taxonomy, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, at one point in time, it occurred to him that it's okay to just enjoy the spider because the spider doesn't really give a shit what we call it. <laughs> That's for us. I don't think any angel out there actually has a name. That's for us here on earth. That's our convenience. That's our meat suit convenience. And I think it works like a sigil for him. Yeah. Like it's a bat signal. It's a, it's a intercom system. Of, yeah. It's an audible bat signal. They communicate any way you want to communicate, which is why, you know, we draw the sigils, we say the ends, we do it because we're combining visual and audio and we're trying to stimulate our feelings and we're trying to get our whole body attuned to that particular facet of the divine so that it can respond to us, so that it knows we're seeking it. And that's like, that's pretty much how channeling works. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think what I would like to suggest is we've talked about this. Let's talk about how to hear spirits in an upcoming episode. So we'll leave people on a little bit of a mild cliffhanger with that. Like now that they know kind of where they want to direct their attention, how they want to figure it out. We'll talk about the how when we receive the information, maybe as a grand finale or something and give you all some we've given you a lot of food for thought and a lot of stuff to kind of mill over and see where your interests lie you know so i think we've we've had a lot of great chit chat tonight oh we always do and you know what we've been continuing to get some listeners in new countries we are now up to 107 countries and right at 1460 cities <laughs> So we've had all these really new countries tuning in in past weeks. So let's give a few of these newbies some shout outs around the globe. Morocco. Brazil. Norway. The Virgin Islands. Yemen. Poland. Yemen. <laughs> Poland. Argentina. And of course, we want to shout out some love to our friend that's always giving us support from Zimbabwe. Nigeria, and lately the Philippines have been tuning in quite a bit. Nice. <laughs> you guys are all awesome. It is so fun to see all of the different listeners and the different countries roll in, different cities. Oh my gosh, there's so many people out there. Yeah, this has been great hanging out. So stay tuned for future installments of Ouija October 2022. And so I guess... All that's really left to say is keep a smile on your face. Keep a pounce in your step lot. Keep practicing your magic and find your own path, find your own truth. And if you're really wanting to talk to these spirits, start thinking about ways that you can do it that's right for you and right for your practice. And of course, be safe, everyone. We want you to be safe. And until next week, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. 
you will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash GOST radio, twitter.com slash GOST radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions podcast YouTube channel, the GOST radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow, Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com. And we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures. And hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.